welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show, I am joined by Quinn Majeski for a playthrough of Absurdia. Absurdia is a Powered by the Apocalypse role-playing game inspired by stories like Welcome to Night Vale, Alice in Wonderland, Gravity Falls, and The Twilight Zone. It is an absurdist modern fantasy horror game about the inane hilarity and understated horror of everyday life. You play ordinary people living out their ordinary lives in their ordinary suburban town that just happens to be unmoored from space and time and racked by the surreal entropy of chaos. You contend with arcane bureaucracy, sentient machines, maniacal PTAs, malevolent garden flora, and the occasional cosmic horror as you attempt to survive, overcome, and perhaps even escape the darkly idyllic community of Absurdia. I was so excited to play this game. It is so much fun. It is so wickedly clever and scary and surreal in all the ways that you want it to be. I had the absolute best time playing it. I think you're going to really enjoy listening to it. You can find the game at quinnm, that's Q-U-I-N-N-M at dot itch dot I-O, or check the show notes for more information. Quinn is also the host and keeper of Monster Hour, which is a horror-themed actual play podcast. Their first season was spent playing Monster of the Week. Their second season has been spent playing Absurdia. Uh, it's a wonderful show. It's a great vibe. I like it a lot. You can find more information about that as well in the show notes. Real quick, before we dive in, a special thank you to our Patreon backers, Joe White, TH, and Julian Gunn. Thank you so much for your support. You're helping make the show happen, games happen. All of the stuff that I do is supported through the Patreon. I really appreciate your support. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I could not be more excited. I'm sitting down with Quinn Majeski. Quinn, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. I am so excited. I have genuinely been looking forward to this game for uh, a good while now. Uh, you you pitched it to me and immediately like it 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 hit on a bunch of things that I was like so excited to play around in. Um, and speaking of which, why don't you at the top of the episode take a moment to let our lovely listeners at home know about what we are playing this week as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Jeff. So uh, today we are going to be playing a game of Absurdia, which is a game that I wrote and released uh, back in June. So it's been at least recording time uh, a little over a month and a half now. Um, so Absurdia is a uh, absurdist modern fantasy role playing game about the inane hilarity and understated horror of everyday life. I think we can all relate to at this point. Uh, you play as residents of a strange suburban town unmoored from space and time where the otherworldly is ordinary and the mundane terrifying. It is inspired by works of absurd humor, surreal horror, and literary nonsense like Welcome to Night Vale, Alice in Wonderland, and Gravity Falls. Um, it's a it's a powered by the apocalypse game, so it uses uh, you know it's pretty narrative driven. Uh, you know, there's playbooks, there's basic moves, there's faction moves, and a, a little sprinkling of some some extra stuff that's uh, uh, more unique in in PBTA. But um, anyone who's familiar with PBTA will will should be able to pick on pick up uh, uh, pretty quick here. Um, so Absurdia is the the first game that I've designed, and I'm super excited to to be able to play it here with you, Jeff, today. Um, uh, otherwise, you know, I, I came about game design, uh, as many people do through, uh, actual play podcasting. It's the, the gateway drug to game design. I think, um, I am the GM slash keeper of, uh, an actual play podcast called monster hour. Uh, we did monster of the week in season one, and we're actually playing absurdia in season two, 
shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Um, I I am uh, a weird Luddite. I don't actually have a, a personal Twitter, but you can generally find me behind the wheel uh, at Monster Hour Pod, uh, and then you can find Absurdia at uh, quinm.itch.io/absurdia. All right. I am so excited. Uh, all of those milestones, uh, those touchstones are things that I love dearly. And I'm so uh, I'm giddy with the opportunity to get to play around <laughs> with some weird, horrifying suburbia. Uh, this is very exciting. So um, give so you've given us kind of the big pitch. Um, I can. Well, and then we'll kind of so we'll talk through the like pregame setup stuff and then we'll play through a little bit of a scenario. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so the, the, the playbooks, uh, the playbooks are incredibly flavorful. Um, I'm going to read through them briefly, even though I've already picked out the one that I <laughs> want, just to kind of give the listeners an idea of like the characters that you'll be playing. Uh, there's the Bureaumancer, a practitioner of the bureaucracy's Byzantine arcana. There is the Curio, a purveyor of powerful and peculiar eldritch objects. Uh, there is the Forgotten Vessel, a discarded puppet of an entropic horror. There is the paradox, a mockery of time's linearity and continuity. Uh, there is the rascal, a mischievous youth with dangerous imagination. There is the scrapper, a resourceful, ingenuitive, and reckless tinkerer. Uh, there is the void archivist, a collector and curator of memories. The vox, a community radio host in search of the truth. The zeitgeist, a collective consciousness spanning multiple bodies. So, uh, all great, all very, very exciting, and it Thank took you. a fair amount of effort to not go with the Vox, because I am a parody of myself <laughs> at all times. But I've landed on the Curio specifically because the idea of playing, the idea of playing, like, a neighborhood shopkeeper is something that, like, uh, is a space that I love dearly that I have not gotten to play in recently, <clears throat> and that is something that, like, I'm extremely excited about. Yeah, I and I love the curio. I'm so excited that you you have landed on that one. Uh, I think who who in their time playing tabletop games has not wanted to be either a shopkeep or and or uh, a purveyor of weird magical objects. It's the best. It's the absolute best. Yeah. So, so walk me through what I'm going to be doing here. Absolutely. So you know to get started. Uh, Building your character and and sort of building the the setting um, for the for the game kind of go one and uh, hand in hand in Absurdia. So uh, you'll start on uh, second page with getting started, where we will uh, you'll go through and pick uh, some of your your looks and demeanor and establish a little bit about your character and what's important to you. Uh, you'll pick your ratings, kind of the the core mechanical stuff for the playbook. Uh, we'll jump to around town, which is where we uh, we decide some of the like connections normally with other playbooks, but in this case, your connections with other people in town, the other uh, you know residents of our strange town. Uh, we should decide if we want a, a a specific name for this town, or if we just want to go with Absurdia. I don't know if you have anything in your head. But... I think Absurdia. I think Absurdia is fine. It's a great name, and it's one that puts a big smile on my face. Fabulous. Uh, that's my go-to, but sometimes we we come up with different ones. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about factions. Factions are a mechanic, uh, you know, uh, certainly not unique to Absurdia among PBTA games, but uh, there are factions in Absurdia, bureaucracy, community, entropy, and underbelly. Uh, they're not at war, but they do sort of rival for, uh, you know, influence and, and control of certain areas of town. So we'll talk about your relationship to those factions. Uh, and then you'll pick your uh, your moves and your gear, and then we will be off to the races. Hell yeah. Love it. So, so 
Yeah, so we'll start with our we'll start with getting started. I'm going to choose a few options from my look and demeanor. Um my the 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 options off of this list uh for look that I really like. I love I'm going to go gar I'm going to go garish and stylish clothes. Is what I'm going with. Love it. The, I I think like I I I picture a little bit of like a little bit of like local local theater director, like small town community <laughs> theater director. Incredible. So definitely like a vest and a little like uh, a little like a little ascot. Yes, because uh, like I I the the shop that I'm envisioning is a is like kind of the fan not not quite like a junk store, but like a fancy oddity store is the best way to totally. describe it. Mm-hmm. Crystals and crystals and dragon figurines is like a, a core piece of it. Uh, so my demeanor, I'm going to choose one to two that describe my attitude. I am saying, I'm saying inquisitive. I'm going to go smooth. I think smooth and inquisitive is a good is a is a good mm-hmm. is a good way to go. Uh, I I I envision that being like a little bit uh, a little bit like warm. You know, like that, which kind of bleeds into the the next few things that I'm going to be uh, like choosing. But I picture warm. I picture uh, kind of has a story for everything in the store, uh, eldritch or horrifying or otherwise. Like, uh, we'll we'll talk your ear off about any single any single piece of uh, ephemera that lands in his store. Love it. So uh, why don't you walk me through the three questions for the character? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, these questions are meant to just kind of uh, establish a little bit of backstory, just enough to uh, to sort of uh, head into the game. So when did your first object find you? I think my first object found me. <sighs> Sometimes when you don't have an immediate answer, you have to fall from the deepest and the deepest uh pieces of your soul and just let that answer let that answer fall forth, which is Oh yeah. It was an uh an it was a a, a small town in a, like a, an absurd a small uh convention in Absurdia. It was like a comic book or anime convention. Uh it was some piece at some booth that I happened to be at. And like I like I ended up coming back to that booth about six times before I finally bought the damn thing. <laughs> and like I don't necessarily even know why I was at that convention. Uh, like there are there are very specifically kind of uh, uh, gaps in my memory of like what brought me there or like what possessed me to go on that day or when I bought my ticket. But like I found myself there. I found myself in front of that object and I just kept walking in a circle around it until I finally bought it. Amazing. What is the object? That is a great question. Or do you want to leave it up uh, to decide later? I'm going to pull it off of the list of curios because totally. I know I'm supposed to choose two items off of this list. And I think it is it being the imp of the perverse. Incredible. Is very funny to me, especially if it is going full suburban with it like if it is not like an old statue or like a homunculus or something it looks like a funko pop <laughs> yes but Incredible. it looks like a funko pop for some kind of fantasy creature that you don't know like if you imagine if you picture in your head like the magical statue that 
like and that would that would in any other like serious like supernatural uh thing turn turn alive and call like a picture of, like a supernatural gremlin that would turn alive if you picture the funko pop of that that's what this looks like incredible i love it uh okay so the second question is uh what is the most treasured piece of your set? The most treasured piece of uh, my set is also looking at this list just because it's a very good and colorful and flavorful list. Uh, the Burnt Feather of Icarus. Mm, yes. I think unlike this, uh, unlike this, this haunted Funko Pop, this is like unmistakably, you know, supernatural, right? Like this is uh whereas the other one is very kind of silly and playful this is very specifically like old and art and ornate and delicate and like looks magical right like there is no mistaking that this is a weird old object this like long winding uh sort of warped and kind of um like misshapen wax feather that like has melted and reformed so it's got that so it's got that sort of like lumpy hardened mm -hmm. wax look to it it Love is the it. treasure of my connection my collection fabulous uh when did its whispers lead you most astray when the doll whispered in my ear that like i should open a, a, a shop like it was the opening of my store that led me most astray because it meant that like it meant that I I was, you know, trapped in a like a, I was trapped in a place that has become increasingly unnerving as time has gone on. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I think that, like, there are other curios or other other dealers of objects. And I think that, like, pulling back on that convention thread, like. The traveling convention, the traveling convention figurine salesman circuit like is maybe where i belong and instead i'm here in this shop are you feeling a little tied down yeah okay i like it uh awesome so those are the background questions uh next you're going to pick two agendas uh in absurdia agendas are um you don't uh when you when you fail you don't gain experience you gain experience rather by pursuing certain agendas so there are four for each playbook uh and you get to choose two I am going to choose a pillar. You actually care about this strange town and its residents. Mark experience when you save an innocent person from certain death. And I am going to choose a hypothecary, a scholar of the occult and arcane. Mark experience when you utilize a curio in a new or novel way. I like that, like, as even though I feel tied down in this store, like, the town of Absurdia is one that I like, right? Like, uh, it's that very nice pull of... Uh, of finding your, yourself feeling at home in a place that you thought you were trying to get away from. Yeah, definitely. I like that that sort of tension there. I think that's really cool. Uh, so next up, you will uh, go ahead and pick your ratings. So there are four ratings in Absurdia. There's Cheek, which is, uh, you know, sort of your, your social uh, ability, interpersonal charm relationship. Uh, it's used for Sway and Hoodwink. Uh, there's Wits, which is sort of your your... Uh, quick thinking and assessment, which is used for assess reality and save your skin. There's pluck, which is uh, sort of your, your both your mental and physical fortitude uh, used to uh, face fear and fight for your life. And then finally, there is chaos, which is uh, your connection to the the sort of entropic forces that are 
uh, unraveling this town slowly but surely, uh, which is used to embrace chaos. And I'm gonna. I've got uh, plus one cheek, plus zero wits, minus one pluck, and plus one chaos. I'm gonna increase one of those by one, and I'm gonna increase wits by one uh, because I picture. I picture this character as astute is the kind of the best way to to describe mm-hmm. it. I picture yeah. him as being uh, good at like look at I picture him good at sort of the antiques roadshow routine of like <laughs> looking at a thing and knowing its history at a glance. Love it. Uh, awesome. So next we're going to jump to around town, which is your your relationships in town. We're going to skip over bonds because uh, bonds are usually for, you know, the other other players. Um, so we'll skip over that. Uh, but we will do contacts, which are your connections, pre-established connection, connections to some other folks uh, in the town. Um, so go ahead and pick, uh, there's, a, there's a list for each playbook. Go ahead and pick one friend and one rival and tell me a little bit about them. Uh, okay, so I've got my contacts. Uh, my friend is Cosmo Bailey, who is a regular customer. Um I think Cosmo is maybe because because the playbook pulled me in a direction and I I I want uh is uh I think Cosmo is the morning is like the morning zoo radio host. Yes. And so like is like is always on the lookout for like weird stuff to put in the studio or in his home studio cuz he kind of does video and streaming stuff from his house so like mm-hmm picks up a lot of like weird and goofy things uh uh, posters and and weird figurines and stuff and is like a regular customer that like kind of and maybe like runs events around the store right like is uh we have that kind of nice working relationship Mm -hmm. whereas my rival who is alistair berg uh alistair is very specifically uh, an antiques dealer and uh whereas uh whereas my store is the sort of goofy weirdo shop with your with your figurines and i originally said earlier that i was the dragon and the dragon and crystal shop but i think that's i think i'm leaning further into being the the weird junk shop where you find lucha masks and old dvds i and- love it like that kind of that kind of curio shop is uh, one that I've spent a lot of time at and I love dearly. <laughs> and so I'm leaning back in that direction. I'm into it because that makes Alistair like the proper antique shop. Mm-hmm. And that makes uh, and that feels very fun, like to have that as a rival. Yeah, I love that. Uh, pronouns for Alistair. Alistair. Um, let's go. Alistair is uh, he they and Cosmo will say is he his. Awesome. Great. Uh, And then the last thing is uh, factions. So as the Curio, your faction is Underbelly. Uh, Tell me one thing that is true about the Underbelly in this town. It can be a person, a place, a belief, a rumor. Just this is this is just one thing to establish the fiction about Underbelly. The Underbelly, um, the Underbelly, the thing that I'm going to say that is true is, um... You can all, like, everybody, regardless of what they do, right, regardless of what they do, anybody that is, like, affiliated enough with the underbelly has somewhat of the equivalent of a stage name. Ooh, okay. In the sense that, like, Cosmo, I think, like, even is just, like, a regular customer, as the the host of the radio show is known as... 
What's a good radio show? What's a good morning DJ name? Mm. It's The Stink. Cosmo is known <laughs> as The Stink. Incredible. Because it's like DJ, it's like RJ and The Stink, and Cosmo is The Stink. Incredible. Uh, I and love so, it. like, everybody that is like deeply affiliated with the underbelly regardless of if they are if they are a performer in some capacity or like if they just are a shopkeeper or whatever they are they have some kind of stage name to them like it's that it's a it's a little bit of a thieves can't situation of Mm -hmm. like or a true name situation of like uh, everybody kind of has a rock star persona that they put on when dealing with people from the underbelly. Yeah, I I absolutely love that. Um, does Alistair have a a stage name? <laughs> Do we know it? Alistair's stage name as a Alistair's stage name is uh, or is he too good for a stage name? I'm trying to decide because maybe he's not underbelly. Maybe he's you know he's too good for it. He's community. That feels that feels right. That feels okay. right. I think that's part of I think that's also part of the friction between us is that like I have leaned into sort of the weirdo the weirdo culture of this of absurdia whereas Alistair is like this should be like a proper thing, you know, there's a proper history here that that I'm not honoring. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Uh and then finally uh you start with the following reputations. Um reputations and and faction moves come into play more in in longer term play but we might get to them in a one shot who knows so uh you start with uh minus one bureaucracy zero community zero entropy and plus one underbelly got it and uh lastly you'll go ahead and pick your playbook moves and gear and then uh go ahead and settle on a name all right um so i'm definitely picking brick and mortar i've opened up a shop uh i have plus one reputation with community um when when choose determining a faction, I can choose to stand for underbelly or community. And the other one that I want is object empathy. When you study an interesting object, roll plus chaos, and then I'm going to ask some questions associated with that. Ah, uh, actually, as the curio, because uh, you get two curio objects, which are uh, oh, basically moves. Yep. Uh, you only get one other move. Oh, got it, got it. Yep. Then yeah, I'm definitely choosing brick and mortar. I've got a store. It is like a place. Where I, 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 it is a a place in the community where I exist. Awesome. Uh, what's your store's name? The store's name is the Shadow Cabinet. Oh, that is, that's excellent. And I think that my, I think that my name is, uh, my name is, uh, is Chad Hawksley. (laughs) And I go by, uh. I go like well, my stage name is Shadow, but people will sometimes call me Shadow, and I can't really stop them from doing that. You can't stop me from doing that. <laughs> I kind of also love it. I think is part of it also is that Shadow is also just great, and so like it's one of those like begrudging, begrudgingly smiling nicknames of like I I can't stop you from calling me that, but it does put a smile on my face. Incredible, Shadow uh, is very good, and my store is the Shadow Cabinet. Uh, yeah, and you talked because uh, it it sort of related to your background questions, but you talked a little bit about your two curios. But uh, mm-hmm. do you want to read those real quick, or do you just want to yeah, do them yeah, while yeah. you're 
the burnt feather of Icarus, which allows me to mark one objectivity um, to gain the power of flight for the remainder of a scene. And then I also have the Imp of the Perverse, which once per session I may push myself without having to mark objectivity. Yeah, and just for a little context, pulling the the curtain back just a little bit on the mechanics, uh, you know, there's a pretty standard harm track for for PBTA for uh, Absurdia, but uh, you also each playbook has an essence track, essence representing uh, kind of a, a unique resource, uh, the the unique aspect of the playbook that helps you resist the uh, the surreality of of the town, uh, and for the curio that is objectivity. Uh, you can use Essence to uh, push yourself or help out on a basic move. So you get to roll 3d6 and discard the lowest uh, to avoid all harm from a single attack or to uh, use certain playbook moves like the ones you highlighted. Uh, and then if you uh, run out of objectivity, you gain fractures, which um, sort of build up over time. And if you get too fractured, then you shatter. Love it. Uh, fabulous. And then uh, you have some uh you start with some gear and then you uh get to choose one weapon so i have a satchel briefcase purse pocket line trench coat or similarly multifaceted container in which to store my wares uh pocket line trench coat is too good to pass up (laughs) truly like legitimately and truly um and an archaic or heirloom weapon either a letter opener a hand carved wand an engraved flintlock pistol or a gilded aegis i think it is i think it is it is an engraved flintlock pistol that is uh leaning into the sort of uh leaning into the sort of oddity shop nature. Uh it is a it is a replica movie prop. <laughs> so it Amazing. is engraved, but it is specifically like stylized to look like uh to look like uh like a notable like pirate movie pistol, right? Like I can be like yeah, this is the one. This is the one he used in Duet of Steel. Like this is the one. This is the one. The this is a this is a piece of movie history. Is it signed? Um, it is not, and I uh, it is not, which is why I like uh, am okay like using it because I think okay. I have some signed merch that I keep behind glass. But Definitely. this one, I'm like, I think if if Chad is asked about it, uh, he will tell people. Uh, that he carries it with him because one day he's gonna cross paths with the uh, with a cast member from Duet of Steel and like that's and he's like I'm not passing up this opportunity. <laughs> okay, love it. Uh, awesome. I think that is that is it for character creation. So we All have right. uh, Chad the Shadow Shadow Hawksley. I love it. The Curio, incredible. Um. So I, when you, when you told me that you wanted to play the Curio, I got a, a brain worm of an idea uh, and I, ha- I have to say it, even if we don't run with it, I have to say it. Uh, and if you don't like it, we can do something else. But um, uh, my, my thought was uh, to <laughs> basically uh, have this, uh, my, my thought was to uh, center our, our play around the uh, surreality TV show uh auction games that's great um, <laughs> i love this <laughs> no uh sorry not auction games uh storage games uh so uh some something of a, a cross between storage wars and hunger games great um, <laughs> great incredible How, what does that vibe feel like for you that feels uh very very fun to me 
Okay. As uh, as noted reality TV trash, that feels uh, incredibly <laughs> up my alley. I thought it might. Um, tremendous. So I think we could go one of two ways here. Uh, and it kind of just depends on how much you want to be sort of in your store versus uh, not, I guess, not in your store. Uh, you know, this could be uh, a... So, uh, you know, a, a TV show that you have have entered or a surreality TV show that you have entered as a contestant. We're in the interdimensional uh, storage unit uh, and you and other competitors are are in this game. Uh, alternatively, you know, maybe the producers uh, have uh, seized on your store for this as the, the setting. And you've got a bunch of people coming into your store uh, trying to to sort of uh, dig through its its wares. Uh, which, I, which, which, which way are you feeling here? I, I, I think featuring the store is fun. And so I think, um, I'm going to, I'm going to Jeff Stormer it a little bit and say both. And I think like, I think what it is, is maybe we start in the store and like part, like the, cause leaning into like the, 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 the surreality of like, like hitting the themes hard. If we start in the store and then that like guides us to the interdimensional storage space, which in the grand sort of magical reality show nature of this becomes attached to the back room of the store. Incredible. Like that's really fun. I love that. Okay. Uh, awesome. I, I think we can jump in then. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the shadow cabinet. The shadow cabinet is, um, God, I really love oddity shops there used to be a really great one on south street in philly and then it closed down but like just weird stuff stores are like one of my absolute favorite things and um i think this is less this doesn't have the effect of like a traditional um antique store or pawn shop like it kind of it has its own sort of vibe to it and part of that involves like you walk in and like it's a lot of like pop culture junk uh but and like so it's a lot of you walk in and it's old action figures and there's like uh there's a bunch of uh mannequin heads on the top shelf that are wearing replica lucha masks you know we see paladin jr we see uh we see all of these old uh masks up here and like it's all just kind of weird stuff and everything's got a history to it and I think like there's a there's a great deal of there's photos on the wall of like various celebrities of various levels kind of like uh like lingering up on the wall like alongside like next to like you'll see an old sword and you know the side character from the Highlander TV series that held the sword is up next to it to kind <laughs> of like and I think like there's a level of the decor of it, like alongside the objects, the decor of it is a little bit theatrical. Like, I think that, like, there's like a big kind of linoleum print on the door of like a red curtain. So when you open it, it kind of like looks like you're passing through a red curtain. And like, there's kind of, there's like, um, there are posters that are held up in those like movie theater poster signs with the lights on them. Mm hmm. And the whole thing kind of has this uh, has this aesthetic of kind of tying into how Chad like interacts with the world and the community. It has the energy of like 
the stuff is only part of the appeal and part of the appeal is like coming and seeing the story behind everything. Is it like so, a like a do folks come in just to like peruse? I'm going to actually I'm going to say this directly because this is a fun little touch. Um, we get a fair number of people who come into peruse and like take pictures and things. And I think like a good chunk of the business because Chad is Chad and because he has the relationship with the stuff that he has, a fair number of like the daily business is that Chad will give you, will like, you can come in and for people that kind of just want to come in and take pictures of the weird stuff, Chad will sell like a $5 like guided tour. <laughs> I love it's it. It's kind of his way of skirting around. Like he has a please don't photograph the stuff if you're not going to buy it rule. But like the way that he skirts around it is like, if you pay $5, I'll guide you on a tour. You can take some pictures. Like it's his way of, it's his kind of Instagram influencer pitch. <laughs> it's like, I'll, I'll let you take the pictures. I'll let you stroll through it. You pay me $5, you get an hour of entertainment out of it incredible i love and it it's, it's like a, a decent hustle. like it's like a decent chunk of yeah it's kind of a decent foundation of the business in its own right like it's not necessarily like the the thing he's most passionate about but he enjoys the opportunity to get to like show off whatever the newest thing that he bought is and it's it's uh it's a good playful energy i love this store it's, it's tremendous i can picture it in my mind and it's just fabulous like i said i love i love these stores with all of my heart oh yeah um, so on any given day, it's, you know, it's just a, a, any given Sunday, any given Monday, whatever it is. Uh, tell me, you know, tell me what it's like in the morning. Uh, the mornings are pretty slow. I think that like he gets in, he, uh, he, he, he pulls up the, the metal grating. He, you know, kind of walks through and makes sure that everything is arranged in the way that it's supposed to be. And he just kind of like, does a lot of setup and does a lot of like repositioning things because he likes the he likes to know that if somebody's coming in multiple days there will be like different displays. And I think if it's a Monday, if it's a Monday there had to be like a convention last weekend. Cuz I think weekends are for are for yard sales and garage sales and conventions mm-hmm. and events. They're for gathering stuff. So there's a little bit of like going around being like okay i got this thing i'm gonna make this little display so he's rearranging the action figure displays he's swapping out the little like set pieces he's pulling out different magazines to kind of showcase the magazine and the comic book racks um it's kind of it's very it's kind of the slowest point of the week and it's kind of when he is sort of the busiest in terms of rearranging the store for the coming week got it okay um, so you got a bunch of new stuff. You're getting it all set up. Do you have one of the bells on the doors that rings when someone comes in? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Okay. It is, it, is a, it is a sound effect machine that does like uh, the sound of a creeping, like of a creeping bell and like a horror movie, <laughs> like a horror movie uh, organ noise. <laughs> Uh, incredible. So we, uh, we jump in, I think wherever you are in the store, you, uh, hear that, that sound, you hear that like horror sound, uh, of someone coming through the front door of the shadow cabinet. Uh, and I think he kind of like peeks his head from around a door, like, and kind of, uh, gives like a little, like he's flustered, but gives, tries to still put on the show of like, welcome to the shadow cabinet. Uh, feel free to look around if you'd like the guided tour, if you plan on taking pictures. Uh, we do offer a guided tour for $5. Otherwise we ask that you reserve, uh, taking photos of anything, 
Uh, but if you want to ask about prices or you want to ask about the history behind any of the magnificent curiosities that we offer here, I am, uh, I am your, your master. They call me the shadow. They call me the shadow because my name is Chad. Uh, I hate it, but I kind of love it. But if you're looking around, take a look, ask questions, explore the space. Yeah. So, uh, this person, uh, at your, your sort of beckoning turns towards you. Uh, it's a, they're wearing uh, black jeans and a, a sort of baggy black button up. Um, where their head should be uh, is just a like big movie camera, like a like a big video camera that you would see on a movie set. Uh, and sitting on top of that camera are a pair of shades uh, and a hat. Um, and the camera face turns towards you. Uh, and this person starts uh, walking your way and, uh, you know, not from any discernible you know, place or anything, but you do hear them uh, say to you, hey, Chad, the Chado, how's it going? Uh, I'm, I'm Polly Paquette, uh, you know, the, the host of, uh, of Storage Games. It's, uh, it's really good. Uh, like, it's so good to see you. Uh, we've been we've been really excited about this. Really, just like pumped. You've got a great place here. We're so excited to uh, to show it. Um, tell me, to get, yeah, tell me, tell me everything. Tell me all about it. And um, I think that he kind of he pauses for a second and just like mm, could do this. This is technically the this is technically a purchase, but it was for TV, so I'll let it slide. I think he like thinks about it. He lets decides he's gonna let it slide, and then goes. So the shadow cabinet was opened about uh, two years ago. Uh, you know, I had been collecting some of this stuff. I've been a pop culture junkie my whole life. I've been collecting this stuff. And I realized this was an opportunity to really share it with the world. You know, the uh, not just not just share stuff, but really build a community. You know, the weirdos and the freaks of Absurdia uh, kind of show off a little bit. We kind of fashion and fancy ourselves the uh, the punk rock, the punk rock antique stop. Uh, and he pauses. Crap, I should have named myself the Punk Rock Antique Shop. It's fine. Uh, we, 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 you know, we kind of fancy ourselves a little bit of a little bit of a punk rock spirit. We're kind of bringing a different energy to the, uh, to the antique market of Absurdia. And, you know, people, uh, they come in, they take pictures. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun store with great energy. And we really love, uh, we love having people come by. Uh, as you pause, uh, to, to make your aside. Uh, that that you should have named it the punk rock antique shop. There's uh, a laugh track that picks up from absolutely nowhere at all. Um, and when you when you finish, uh, Polly Paquette uh, turns uh, and you can see that there are two drones with cameras coming in and they kind of like fan out in the store. Uh, and Polly Paquette turns to one of those drones and says, "Looks like a fabulous place for our contestants to uh, to explore and, and bid on. This is going to be a really exciting episode. Uh, thanks, Chad. Uh, you you know how the the show goes, right?" Um, trying to decide if Chad is the person to be honest uh, and a jerk or lie or lie and try to be your friend. I'm looking at my let me look at my let me look at my uh, pillars and my personality here. I think I think the smoother and the more inquisitive option is to have him say, you know, I've seen the show, but like, you know how it is producing reality TV. Uh, I've talked with radio people. I've talked with TV people. Why don't you give me the rundown so that you can give? I know you've got a speech prepared. Why don't you give me the rundown just so I can be up to speed? Uh, Polly claps his hands together. and He's like, all right. So our five contestants are going to have five minutes to view the store from the windows. You see there's five people crowded outside of your your store. Um, one of them 
you recognize as uh, Alistair Berg, um, who's kind of like peering in with uh, sort of thin eyes, eyeing your wares. Uh, I think another one uh, is just a um, like an animatronic uh, mouse uh, that you've seen mm. around town. Um, and they're all sort of looking in, and and uh, Polly Paquette continues. Um, one, five, one, of, one of them is actually two. One of them is actually two people, the identical twins, the Bidding Brothers. Uh, incredible, yes. Uh, Hank and Tank, the Bidding yep. Brothers. Um, you know they're regulars on the on the show. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know they they always get some local folks. They always get some re- like you know regular guests. Uh, you gotta get there. You gotta have the ringers. Yeah, totally. Uh, so you've, you've got five people. Uh, looking hungrily in on the windows of your store. Uh, and Polly continues, our five contestants are going to have five minutes to study from a distance before they get a chance to head inside. It'll be uh, free for all. Grab whatever they can get. No holds barred. Anyone who uh, is able to get in and get out of the store gets to keep what they find. I think that I think that his eyes go wide as he kind of takes in what was just said. So, um, yeah, give me some time. I want to get the store, uh, in order before. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that sounds like a blast. Let me just, uh, I got to move some of the more fragile objects if there's going to be a free for all. So just, I'm going to take a few minutes to get the store in order and then we'll kind of get off to get off from there. Your five minutes starts now. Oh no. Oh God. And I think, um, I think that like there is the there's the there's the the pop culture junk and then there's the kind of magical junk that is uh scattered amongst it and there's a very real feeling of like oh no somebody's going to come in and grab something and like summon a ghost or some shit <laughs> yeah, they got to like get this cleaned up and I think is like kind of like moving through the store with 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 quickness to try and like grab I think like sees the sees the the Icarus feather. It's on. It's in like a beautiful rack. It's on like a little thing on the wall behind the counter, and kind of like hops up and kind of pops it off of the wall, and is like kind of stashing that and like looking around, going like, oh, "I gotta hide the stuff that's really gonna like turn this into a nightmare." Uh, yeah. And as you're doing this, Polly is uh like facing one of the the drone cameras that's floating around, kind of doing like a camera to camera, uh. And you can hear him whispering under his breath. While the participants have five minutes to look at the wares, the host also has five minutes to try to save what they can. We'll see what uh, what the shadow tries to save. Looks like he's going for the feather of Icarus. Uh, a smart choice. That's, you know, likely to fetch, uh, you know. Uh, I, in absurdity, I always like to make uh, currency something that makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's likely to fetch. Uh, you know, probably a good one point two thousand uh, pogs on on the market. This guy just. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. This is worth at least two point five pogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, aside from grabbing your your curios, is there anything that you do, or or, or what what are you doing in this uh, this brief window that you have to ready your store before people come in? I think I am spending, I think I am consciously, like, anything, I think I am consciously, like, putting out, uh, consciously, like, both the curios and, like, the, the sort of ordinary, uh, ordinary antique objects that might be fragile or, like, difficult to replace or, like, that are, that are, there are, there, cause there are certain objects that, like, 
are more for show than they are for selling. Like there are certain things that I have in display that are there to, and they're kind of priced that way, right? Like they're they're. If you ask me, I'm like, yeah, that's worth two thousand pogs. But like, there are certain objects there that are pretty much there for when you want to spend five dollars to get a selfie with some weird shit. So I am like consciously hiding away the things that I'm like, I don't want this to get smashed up in a free for all. And I am uh, consciously like, as I do that, like reaching back behind things to put out the stuff that I'm like. If this gets broken, if somebody grabs this to try and claim it, like, I can get another, I can get a replacement, uh, I can get a replacement, uh, Slimy McKeelberg action figure pretty easily. <laughs> like, this is a, this is an easy enough action figure for me to replace. And so, like, is consciously, like, swapping things out and trying to, like, position the store in such a way that, like, it is easy for, it is, it is, uh, it can survive a hurricane of a hurricane of reality show contestants. Uh, okay, incredible. So this sounds like a hoodwink when you lie, mislead, or trick someone to achieve your ends. Roll plus cheek. All right, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. So that is plus one. That is a six. Yikes! Uh, on a miss, you might find yourself caught, trapped, or otherwise in hot water. Um. Let's see. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think what happens here uh, and, and, you know, feel free to if you have an idea. Uh, I, I love suggestions and in Absurdia, the, the game encourages uh, everyone to suggest things for, for a miss. So but uh, my, my thought here is, uh, you know, everyone's watching you through the windows. So, you know, I, I think everyone can can see what you're like putting out and what you're putting away. Um, and so, you know, they're still, they all, they all know where the good stuff is as mm-hmm. the, the timer counts down here. That's really, really great. And I think, um, I think what is the, the object, uh, what is the object? Because I feel like one of the joys of the curio is getting to like put new weird objects on the table. Oh yeah. What is the object that I what is the ob- the particularly magical object that I like, whether it was in an auction or uh, like a convention or like what what did I snatch out from under Alistair's from under Alistair's nose mm. that was partially done, uh, partially done in the sense of like, I want this for the store and partially done in the sense of I want this to make sure that like a weird magical thing is not floating around recklessly Ooh, that's a good that's a good question it's got to be something like high end for alistair my (laughs) my initial like gut thought is a self-playing harp Mm. uh that always recalls to you your fondest memory in vivid detail that's great i love that i really really like that so like i think there that like and I think the other part is like, as I'm doing this, I stash some things behind a curtain and then because the curtain is made with PVC pipe, the PVC pipe falls over <laughs> and like Alistair gets a straight shot at where that harp is kept. Yeah. As that happens, there's another uh, round from the the laugh track uh, that just seemingly, uh, you know, it comes up from from all angles of your looking store. over his shoulder, grumbling, kind of like. <laughs> Gets about to throw a middle finger and then looks and realizes he's on camera. Is like no, no, yeah, there's no. a drone camera on you. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so so uh, Alistair has a clear look at the self-playing harp. Um, and when it gets to... The, there's actually... Um, I, I think as the, the timer counts down, uh, you can see that um, there's just like a floating like visual. Uh, not like a hologram, but like just a, a, a random sort of manifestation, almost like a CGI, but in real time, mm-hmm. uh, of like a countdown timer in the middle of your store. Uh, and you're, you know, you're doing your best. You're, you're trying to hide things. Um, uh, and the timer is counting down and finally it reaches to three, two, one, and the doors fly open, uh, and, uh, Hank and Tank are, I think are in first, uh, and they're just kind of like, you know, pawn through stuff, um, and, uh, you know, searching and, and looking through all, all the things, holding up items and comparing them to one another, uh, the animatronic mouse is is in and behind your front desk, uh, and Alistair is making a beeline for the self playing harp. Uh, and all and the while, Polly is just you know offering some some color commentary to the cameras. I think my first priority is the harp, right? I think my first priority is to make sure that make sure that Alistair does not get his hands on that harp. So I think that what what he's going to do is like um quietly like duck behind the counter um like narrowly avoid bumping into the animatronic mouse and like kind of reach around the mouse's shoulder to kind of grab a uh, to grab the funko pop that i am naming uh <laughs> we're named crabby i'm gonna grab crabby <laughs> look crabby in the eye and go you got you got a trip you got a trip that day they gotta get they gotta get knocked over and like puts it puts Krabby down and Krabby kind of like kind of I picture a little bit like an like the animatronics or the the the, the creature effects from like Gremlins a little bit of that like not quite <laughs> full not quite full articulation kind of runs over and sort of trips Alistair up at the ankles while uh while uh Chad is jumping over the counter and kind of like sort of like play you know semi playfully playing it up to the camera so that that doesn't get noticed immediately but like jumping in front of the bidding bros and being like oh yeah this is this is authentic this actually uh this was pulled out of a house where there was a a grisly seven person murder um this was this was the one thing that didn't have any blood on it from the room Ooh, spooky Uh, amazing. Okay. Um, let's see. This one doesn't quite fit neatly into the, into any of the moves here. Uh, so I will say at least as far as Alistair goes, I'm using my, uh, I'm using my, my Imp of the Perverse, uh, Curio move, once recession pushing myself without having to mark objectivity. Uh, I, I know that that's not quite a, th- it's, it's not quite like a technical move, but just the, I, I, I like the idea of just, this feels like a good opportunity to use that just to, thoroughly trip up uh thoroughly trip up alistair in whatever way that would look like yeah totally all right let's let's call this an embrace chaos because it's okay. my favorite move uh when you contend with a source of entropic power uh roll plus chaos then in fact then i am going to roll 3d6 and take the two highest yeah this crabby is very uh very chaotically powerful all right that is i'm very glad that i rolled that third dice because that came up a six which removes that one from contention uh, which changes that four to a nine and plus one hey. makes that a 10, makes that a 10 plus. There you go. So on a 10 plus, you get to choose two options from the list below. Uh, you gain a clear understanding of the power source effects, motives, uh, and motives. If any, you quell the power's effect or fan its flames. You briefly wield this power's effect. 
You subvert this power to achieve your ends, take plus one forward. You inflict or heal one harm on a nearby target, or you mark or erase one essence. Let's say I briefly wield this power's effect. Uh, in this power, in this instance, I'm going to say is Krabby as like a supernatural uh, entity embodying this embodying this doll. Definitely. And um and like because and the effect being, you know, I think like tripping people up and causing mischief throughout the store is how I briefly wield it. And I think the other thing that I want is to uh, gain a clear understanding of the power source effects and motives. Um, I think that like even as I've had Krabby for a long time, like I don't quite know it partially because I've kind of kept Krabby like close to chest. And this is maybe this is maybe the first time I've like fully just unleashed it in the store. And so now I'm kind of gaining an understanding of like, what is the thing that embodies Krabby is? Yeah. Okay. So I think, um, you know, we we see you. Uh, well, you tell me, what, is, what does this look like? Uh, the first things first is like Alistair is like approaching the harp and Krabby. Uh, it's a little bit Sam Raimi is the best way to describe it, right? Like this is a little bit Krabby loose in the store is a little bit of a Sam Raimi energy of uh like the the little tiny the little tiny ashes from <laughs> army of darkness like so we get a quick shot of crabby popping up and i think like when when we see crabby in frame as as alistair is approaching the harp it's less of a funko pop and now fully embodying that sort of little gremlin look like it has mm-hmm. kind of become that thing kind of ties their shoes together so that they kind of tumble and then he wipes out crabby scampers off i think that the animatronic mouse has like picked up the Highlander Zord and like um Krabby like is just kind of standing and giggling right behind the mouse's shoulder as it kind of takes a step back to examine the sword and kind of falls backwards and like the sword comes up and I think at that moment like uh Chad just kind of leans over and effortlessly grabs it and puts it back on the rack and leans forward and is like you see, this actually, um, have you seen season four of Highlander, the new TV series, the reboot, not the original? Because uh, this uh, this sword was very prominently featured. You can see that photo right there. It's a really cool piece of Hollywood memorabilia. Bye. And like ducks off. And it's just all like <laughs> kind of goofy, uh, like kind of goofy. Uh, I think at one point somebody tries to, one of the bidding brothers tries to put on a lucha mask and like uh and suddenly is just like scratching their head a lot because uh was kind crabby was kind of like clinging to the top of the mask and has just started biting and scratching the top of his head like ah so like hank is flailing and tank is trying to get the mask off of him and it's just like (laughs) kind of general chaos that sort of trips them up as they're looking at things in the store i love this um is is there a lucha mask that fuses to your face like the mask oh god there's absolutely gotta be and i I think that like I think that like there's a yes there is uh there is a there is a mask that fuses to your face and I think like uh I think one of the bro- the bidding brothers almost puts it on until almost puts it on until like trying to decide what do I want to trip them up or do I want it to just fuse to his face screw it fuses to his face hell yeah um uh, I don't know why I'm trying to be so <laughs> precious towards the bidding brothers. Oh no! Uh, yeah, so it's it's Tank definitely, uh, and it fuses to his face, and uh, he turns to Hank and says, "Brother, stop me!" Uh, and he starts running around the store. Uh, right. So I think you know, seeing this scene. Oh, and the the studio audience is uh, the laugh track is is out of control at this point. Um, 
you know, I think seeing this scene, you understand that Krabby is an agent of chaos, like a, mm-hmm. a, a avatar of, of entropy. Uh, it, he, him for, for Krabby? Do we, that yeah. Does, yeah. We'll, so, go he, we'll go he, we'll go he, it. He, it. Okay. Um, it's, uh, uh, it, I mean, its purpose is is to cause chaos, uh, and and especially by you know changing the outcome of of the fates, as you know, uh, he is capable of doing. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. I think this is a good. I think this is kind of uh, giving. I like that picture a lot. Right. Like that. That feels a good. That feels like a good. This feels like a good opportunity to kind of click that into place. And I think like I think. There is a level of concern that Chad gets kind of watching this play out, kind of realizing like, oh, I got to be real careful with this because like there's a level of menace to that as I'm watching like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not pure, certainly. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So um, you you've definitely uh, waylaid Alistair and, and generally caused some some mayhem among the participants of uh storage games um i think the time uh the the timer it was counting down to five minutes now there's uh, uh i'm gonna say another five minute timer that's been uh counting down for participants to sort of raid your store um uh, and it's it's you know uh i'd say maybe well, let's call it like halfway done at this point yeah. um what uh what's the what's the scene like um as you know uh as this uh, i i think crabby is Krabby always animated or is this like a, a momentary thing that you can activate? I think it's a momentary thing. I like the arrangement with Krabby kind of being a if if, if it is uh a being, right? Like if if he has a, a will, and I think he does, I always like the vibe of person who has to talk with the magical object. And so I think it is like it is that like we have a little bit of an arrangement, kind of a vibe of kind of an Eddie Brock Venom vibe where like I talk, <laughs> I talk to it and nobody can hear it but me. And so like there's kind of we've kind of at this point gotten to at this point gotten to an arrangement of like I say when the when 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 it comes out. Right. Like like, uh, like he and I have have reached our terms of like when. He comes out and comes to life, and this was a moment. This was the first time I've maybe done it during business hours. <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, okay, so you you reel Krabby back in. Uh, the timer is about halfway done. Uh, I think Polly Paquette uh, pulls up next to you with his big uh, like movie movie set camera head uh, and says, "Well, we're about uh, we're about halfway through, Chato. Uh, how how you feeling about uh, about the game so far?" Um, we're very much in like the, like, you know, middle of a reality TV show. The chefs are like in the action and the host is like all up in your, in your face for no reason whatsoever. Sweaty, grabbing the ascot and damning sweat off my face. Doing, doing great. Really good. Loving the energy. Everybody here has got a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, nothing's on fire yet. Nobody's soul has been taken yet. It's been a pretty good day. You feel, are you feeling the pressure? Are you feeling the pressure? Feeling the pressure. I'm feeling the pressure. Well, you look great. Let's, let's go talk to our, our participants, uh, you know, and see, see how they're doing. Uh, and he, he steps away. As this happens, you hear the, uh, door chime once again. Uh, and your friend, the stink, uh, steps through the door into the scene. Stink. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, what's, what's going on here? 
Do you want the honest answer of how it's going, or do you want me to tell you it's going great? I want the honest answer, man. Come oh on. Oh my god, it's going so bad. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, what's what, can I, can I help with anything? Uh, hey, is yeah, that yeah. is that Alistair? Yeah, yeah, it's Alistair. They're here. They're trying to listen. Here's how you can help. We got like two minutes. We got a, we got like two minutes, and I could use your help like right now. Wait, is this storage games? Oh my god, are you on storage? Am I on storage games? <laughs> the drone cameras have been over. <laughs> a title card has appeared in front of a <laughs> front of uh, Cosmo that says the stink local radio personality. Um, hey mom, I love you. Hey, stinks mom. Listen, I need your help, and I could use it right now. Give me, give me a roll to sway. Let's let's do some okay. moves here. Let's uh, do it. When you offer an NPC a convincing reason to do something, roll plus cheek. Uh, I think you're working against the stink's desire to uh, vogue for the camera here. I think <laughs> as so. As opposed to be uh, your friend. That feels good. Um, that is plus cheek. So that is a nine. Okay. On a seven to nine, they will do it, but I will choose an option from the list below. Uh, they want more than what you're offering. They demand payment up front. They have a better idea for achieving your goal, or they stall and dither for a while. Uh, the last one feels pretty good to me. The last one does feel good. Yeah. I, so I think uh, the stink the stink is caught up like saying hi to uh, everyone that he knows uh, while the camera is on him. Um, and I think we get like one drone camera, like facing him and another one looking at him and seeing you in the background um and 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 just the the you know uh frustrated expression on your face uh i think as this happens um let's see how how do we think this how do we think this unfolding scene breaks bad for you in the the second half here i think that like i i i like the idea that maybe uh, as much as Krabby did trip Alistair, like, I think the greater success that we got was, uh, was that the, was that the mouse and the bidding bros have been kind of occupied and they're sort of like largely kept to the sort of Hollywood tchotchkes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the chaos that Krabby inflicted was like largely, uh, dealt to the bidding bros and the animatronic mouse. And I think that the particular, like, I think that what, uh, what Chad was going to ask Cosmo was like, we need to get this harp upstairs. Like there's a, there's a staircase to kind of the, the upper attic that like has been kind of chained off and like nobody's been kind of up there. And it's like, we need to get this upstairs now. And I think that the way that this breaks bad, uh, the way that the, the fear, the way the fear kind of kicks in in this moment is it's kind of a race against time of like, we have to get this heavy thing up the stairs because if Alistair gets his gets their hands on it, he's going to get to claim it as theirs, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Alistair gets to claim it if they get their hands on it. So it's like a race against time against Alistair, and they are much closer to the harp than we are. Uh, I love that. So you see, Alistair has recovered from uh, you know Krabby's sort of uh, mischief making. Um, I think they've they've untied their shoes, uh, and you know maybe. I, I just I have it in my head that, you know, Krabby pantsed Alistair. And so I it just because, you know, he's so hoity-toity, I, li- I, I like that image. But he's, he, you know, Alistair is writing themselves. And uh, I think you can see from across uh, the shadow cabinet, um, they are making their way back towards that harp. And uh, Polly Paquette uh, is seated on the, the front desk. And I think 
um, he's got his his big movie set camera head pointed uh, and following Alistair, uh, and the audience is murmuring. What do you do? I think, I think I know exactly what I want to do, and I might call for I might call for I might ask for a move here because mm-hmm. this feels this feels like a good opportunity. I know that you mentioned we mentioned uh, potentially getting to a faction move, but this feels like a good opportunity to do that. Yeah. I think I turn to Polly and I say what is what is Polly's stage name? Ooh, um that's a good question. I'd envision Polly as um uh not that, necessarily part of entropy, but we can that, we can give him uh, a stage name. Um Well it's it's un- people in underbelly that have it. So let me ask you, is there somebody else on somebody else in the in the somebody else on the crew or around that might be a member of underbelly that I can I can call for aid? Because I think what I want to do is call out, and this might not even be call for aid necessarily, but I think I want to turn to Polly and say, hey, if we want to take a quick moment and film some rival stuff, uh, Alistair and I have some real history, and that could be some really juicy reality content. If you want to get a quick confessional, maybe a quick like interview with Alistair and really kind of like get our rivalry going, that would be a really exciting thing for the viewers. Ooh, uh, I love that. Um, I think... I, as much as I want to get into the faction moves, I think that's probably a sway with, okay. with Polly Paquette. Then I am going to mark an objectivity here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to be my first mark of objectivity, just to give myself that 3d6, uh, take the two low or take the two highest. Because this feels like a moment to mark objectivity. Yeah, it's, it's a pivotal moment here. And this feels like like leaning into like the theming of objectivity. This feels like a moment where I am losing a sense of my I am losing a piece of my like ability to be the sort of re- the sort of a uh, reserved observer of things because I'm kind of leaning into the sort of like uh, play of it all. Mm-hmm. Again, so glad I rolled that third dice. <laughs> I I specifically set aside. So uh, I'm gonna t- here's here's dice te- dice chat with Jeff for a second. I grabbed my two d six, the two d six that I was most excited to use here, and those are my insane clown posse d sixes with a hatchet man on the six. Incredible for absurdia. <laughs> and then I grabbed uh, this sort of like ectoplasmy neon highlighter colored one that kind of is like ghost that looks like Ghostbusters like goop. <laughs> to be my third dice in case I was rolling 3d6, and both times that has been the highest uh, of the three rolls, and I'm very, very happy that I keep rolling it. That's fabulous. I like that you've set aside like a specific one for your extra die, so you know if it was worth it or not. Yeah, I need to know. I just gotta know. <laughs> um, so that is, an, that is an 11. Okay, on a 10+, plus, they'll do it for the reason that you gave them. So I think uh, Polly turns the camera o- away from Alistair and, and faces you and you see like the blinking red dot uh, and, and you get the sense that he's kind of contemplating for a second and then he shouts, cut! Uh, and the entire scene uh, freezes. All the drones, all the people, uh, Cosmo, everyone in your shop freezes except you. Um, and Polly looks at you with the, the camera lens uh, and says, all right, so yeah, hit me, hit me with some of that rivalry stuff. Tell me, uh, like, what's what's the deal with you and Alistair? And uh, starts kind of like, like, remember how I said I was bringing a real punk rock edge to the antique scene in Absurdia? Alistair Berg is the opposite. Alistair thinks that antiques should be priceless and treasured, and thinks that lucha masks and and film memorabilia aren't real antiques 
Alistair's kind of what we call a stuffed shirt around here. Uh, and is really, like, leaning in and playing it up and really, like, kind of, uh, I think, subtly, and we can call this a role if we'd like, uh, I think subtly, like, specifically putting in a lot of, um, Alistair says this, or thinks this, to kind of really consciously, like, put a lot of, a lot of opportunities for Alistair to have to explain themselves. To okay. make this, to draw this out so that, so that, uh, Chad has more time to move this harp. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's, um, let's call this a, a hoodwink, I think. Okay. Um, Limus later trick. Uh, I think you're trying to put the attention back on Alistair here. That is a seven. Okay. On a seven to nine, your ploy works, but I will introduce a complication or consequence. So I think, um, I think what we get is a, like, a scene of you, like the the camera on you saying these things about Alistair. Uh, and then we get like a side by side of uh, some footage of Alistair before the, um, uh, you know, before the, the, the show began. Mm-hmm. The Chad has, uh, you know, such low brow taste. It's a real blight on our, you know, beautiful neighborhood of absurdia. Just the the lowest basest form of uh of entertainment and memorabilia uh i can't wait to to try to put him out of business um but uh you know we get those these two side by side um and i think uh polly looks at you and says um you know uh yeah the, okay great great yeah i'm i'm loving this this rivalry like folks are going to eat this up thanks thanks you know that you're being a real real sport about this um all right action uh, and Alistair is, is um, you know, starts lurching uh, forward ahead again towards the harp. Uh, but we see one of the, the drone cameras fly forward and we hear Polly's voice uh, as it sort of intercepts Alistair and saying, uh, do you think you're, uh, you're, you're too good for uh, storage games? Do you, th- do, you th- do you think your wares are a little too, too highbrow? How do you respond to the, the allegations <laughs> that... Uh, you know, you're just in it for the the money, and you don't really care about the objects. Um, and Alistair's trying to get by this this drone camera with Polly's voice, but he's he's not able to do it. Um, so you know, you've you've bought yourself some some time here, uh, but it's it's fleeting. And I've uh, got one I've got one shot to get through this. Like I've only yeah. got I've only got a few seconds. I know exactly what I'm gonna have to do. Uh, this is a real Chekhov's gun, or rather Chekhov's magical feather situation. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna mark an objectivity, which is through two objectivity, because one of them was the was the the doll. So that's my second objectivity marked, and I'm gaining the power of flight. I think I pick up the feather. I uh, I have like uh, I kind of uh, there's like a little there's like some strings, some loose threads on my ascot, and I kind of tie it to the thread, and I start to like levitate, and I I push myself like over Alistair's head towards the harp to try and grab it and pull it upstairs as quick as possible. Yeah, give me a roll to face fear when you All attempt right. something risky in the face of fear or danger. Roll plus pluck. Uh, go ahead and take a plus one, I think, because you've got your uh your wings on you here <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna mark that third objectivity as i'm yeah. burning, burning through these this is a one shot feels it, like the right time to do, do it. it yeah uh so we're rolling 
So that time I really didn't need to do it because <laughs> I got I got two hatchet men sitting in front of me and also a one. So it was specifically the lowest of the rolls. And also I rolled a 12 without them. So that's a 14. <laughs> Beautiful. On a 10 plus, you accomplished what you set out to do. So what does this look like? Um, This looks like um the clock is ticking down, right? I think that we're very close to the end, right? Alistair is oh, wrapping yeah. There's up. There's like... 30 seconds left. We're getting the countdown from 30 and like kind of steps back. Um steps back pauses just for a quick second as like the camera floats over floats over the bidding bros just to be like that's an authentic uh that trench coat's authentic from the set of No More Cowboys and like runs and does like a flying like kind of um you ever see the music video for Weapon of Choice the Fat Boy Slim song with Christopher Walken? I have not. Oh, he does a whole dance, and then at the end of it, he takes off flying, and it's very similar aesthetic <laughs> of, like, runs and just flies, like, flies over the head, and it's, like, a large harp, so it's, like, a little awkward, so it's, like, bumping stairs and things, but, like, does manage to pull it upstairs, tumble into the, tumble into the attic, or into the second floor storage in, like, a big heap, runs into some boxes, breaks some things, and it's just like hacking and coughing, like, oh, damn it, ow. Oh. And um, I think as, as he hits those boxes is when it gets down to zero. Definitely. I think there's the laugh track one more time as you sort of crash land. Um, yeah, and we see, yeah, laugh it up, laugh it up. Uh, but we see Alistair running towards, uh, you know, the the, the stairs, um, trying trying to get it. And then the, the buzzer goes off. Um, and the, the, uh, the studio audience, uh, you know, gives like, uh, another laugh more, more directed at Alistair and then a, a round of applause for, for you as you've held on to, uh, your, your prized possession here, your, uh, player harp. Um, and, uh, from downstairs, I think you hear, uh, Polly Paquette's voice say, and that's all our time, folks. Uh, our participants have had their chance and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what they got after our commercial break. Um, uh, and I think, uh, downstairs, you, you, you can see sort of down the stairs, uh, all five of these folks, uh, Hank and Tank, the animatronic mouse, um, uh, and, and Alistair and the, the unnamed other one who we didn't get to, um, are all, uh, just like sucked out of your, uh, your store. Oh, what a day. What a day. Um. <laughs> uh, and uh you know Polly in in his uh all black baggy clothes uh walks up to the to the foot of the stairs and says hey Chad you know thanks thanks for being such a good sport about this you know you you were you were really great i you know the rivalry dynamic it's going to it's going to be great any last words for uh for the folks at home come to the scenic shadow cabinet located right at the corner of the feeling of someone looking over your shoulder boulevard and the aesthetic of an empty McDonald's lane. Uh, we're open seven days a week. Come by, take a tour, have a great day. Come if you dare. Uh, and I think Cosmo pops up next to your side uh, and gives a big thumbs up. Uh, and the the red light on Polly Paquette's camera head uh, turns off. Uh, and he starts walking out and says, yeah, great, great job, Chad. Thanks. Uh, good job, Chad. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, you'll get your chance to, uh, you know, dive into the interdimensional storage unit. Uh, just, uh, check your, check your mail for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you, see you next time on Storage Games. And I think as, as Polly leaves, 
um, the sounds of a harp on the second floor can be heard. <laughs> and we kind of like follow the we follow the camera up the stairs and like around everybody like around us is like the in the second store like the visuals of I'm trying to think what's the last thing that that chad and cosmo did together it's like a special memory for chad and cosmo very particularly i think it is um it's like a it's a it's a food truck festival so there are like full-size food trucks like <laughs> sitting around in the second floor storage of this of this building and i think that what we see the way that this becomes horrifying. Like, the reason that he did not want Alistair to have this. Maybe it's specifically that, like, we kind of see, um, we had said, like, it's your most treasured memory, but, like, it's a very specific intersection of memories. And we see, uh, at this food truck festival, we see Alistair having gotten, like, a big uh, box of food and then wipes out and just gets food all over themselves. And Cosmo and Cosmo and uh, and Chad are just cracking up about it. It's your most treasured memory that is also someone else's most embarrassing memory. Oh, that's very good. It's the specific intersection of a memory that you treasure because it's like we see Alistair or we see uh, Chad and Cosmo like walking and having a great day and this being an event that the two of them put together. That is also a moment when Alistair just thoroughly embarrassed himself. And so, like, you can picture someone in your mind's eye and see those cross-sections of moments. And I think Chad did not want Alistair to have insight into what was embarrassing for Chad. Yeah, what it, I, I think perhaps with the the harp, you can also, like, see other people, like anyone who's played it um, yeah. or had it played. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Which I love because that makes it just very petty. <laughs> oh, extremely. Uh, and we see a, a dejected uh, Alistair, uh, along with the other contestants, uh, sort of walking down the street away from the Shadow Cabinet. And I think that's game. I think so. Damn, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was <laughs> yeah. great. That was good energy. I had so much fun with that. Oh, uh, that was a blast. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for designing this game. Thank you for running it for me. This uh, put the biggest uh, smile on my face. I'm so, thrilled to hear it. Real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you, your work, and Absurdia online? Yeah, so you can find Absurdia at quinm.itch.io slash Absurdia, or just by Googling Absurdia RPG. Uh, that's where you can find uh, the one game I've designed, if you want to follow, who knows if I'll design others. Uh, I, uh, again, I'm a, a Luddite, I'm not on Twitter, but uh, I'm usually behind the wheel at Monster Hour Pod. Uh, which is the actual play podcast that I am the GM slash keeper of on a, a regular basis. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, thank you for playing this game with me. I had the absolute best time. And for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future, me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Quinn for coming on to the show. That game was like it immaculately captured the vibe. And I just I'm so happy with it. I had the biggest smile on my face playing it, editing it. It was a really special game. Be sure to pick up your own copy of Absurdia at quinm.itch.io and be sure to follow Quinn and Monster Hour on Twitter at Monster Hour Pod. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. You can also find us on TikTok at Party of One Podcast, Tumblr at Party of One Pod, or join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Party of One Discord. 
Meanwhile, if you want to support the show, you can support us at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or kofi.com slash jeffstormer, or you can leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podchaser. Uh, Tell a friend about the show. Leave us some love on social media. All of those things are great. They all do a lot to help the show grow and do bigger, better, and cooler things. You can also head to our merch store at bit.ly slash partyofonemerch and pick up some stuff with Party of One logo on it. Then, after all of those things, if you're looking for some other podcasts to listen to, I have two to recommend for you. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the OneShot Podcast Network, where every week my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character and populate a shared universe one story at a time. Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast is a slice-of-life actual play about a quiet home, a heartless witch, and all the many people that make their homes inside. You can find that at tinyurl.com slash podcast. Party of One is, as always, edited and produced by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Rain featuring the D&D Sluggers. And the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates coming onto the show as a guest or about press coverage, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And I think unless I'm mistaken, that's all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defying acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. (laughs) 